You're listening to the Professional Brotherhood Podcast, because when the alarm sounds, nobody cares if you're career or volunteer. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Professional Brotherhood Podcast. Kara, what's up? Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Cold <laughs> and snowy in uh, central, central New York here. this evening. Yes. Cold and snowy. That's all right. It's cold here. It's not snowy, though, in beautiful upstate Hudson Valley, New York. The fake upstate. <laughs> upstate. The fake upstate. Upstate. All right. So we got another cool guest for, uh, for everybody this evening. Uh, another uh, uh old friend of mine, a uh, former volunteer locally uh, with me, um, who has, surprisingly, we were just talking before we hit the record button, has been on the job with the FDNY for 15, 15, right? 15 years. 15 years. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wild. Time I, flies. I, 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 remember when he, I remember when he got the job and it didn't seem like 15 years have gone by. So Eric, welcome. If you, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, introduce yourself to everybody and uh, we'll jump into it. Well, hello. My name is Eric Lubineski. I'm a 15-year veteran at FDY, ladder company 3-9 in the Bronx. Um, before that, uh, I started as a volunteer firefighter in Bethel, New York, just outside of Monticello, where I grew up, uh, the next uh, next town over from where Brian grew up, in a uh, small Manga Valley Fire Department. So I started there in about uh, 1996. Um, just like a lot of guests you have, um, I've, I've been in the fire department for basically my whole life. My father was involved. My uncles, my grandfathers, everybody was involved in the family. So uh, I've probably about 24 years in the volunteer service. Still active uh, now in the Washingtonville Fire Department where I live in Orange County. An up lower state, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Upper lower state. <laughs> well, 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 Kara likes, Kara, Kara gets, has been giving me a hard time since, since we met, right? Because I used to say upstate New York. And yeah. of course, she's farther upstate. And then, you know, whatever. We, we've settled on the Hudson Valley. The Catskills. Right. Okay, the Catskills. You, they think I uh, grew up in Canada, down in the city. You know, the guys from Long Island, <laughs> New York. Yeah. They, yeah, they yeah. think the Bronx is upstate. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm in Central, and you should hear the people from North Country. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a downstater, downstater. I'm a downstater oh, to Watertown. <laughs> oh, old Watertown. <laughs> Got to get a few friends up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um. Eric, you started the volunteers, um, yes. and we were, again, we were talking beforehand. Uh, for those of you who, who've tuned into some of the other episodes, um, if you remember, we talked to Tad Mapledorm, uh, who's now a chief out in the uh, western part of the country. Uh, and we all kind of kind of grew up in this around the same time. I'm a little older than these guys, so uh, mm-hmm. a, a few years ahead of them. Um, in, in the in, in the aging of the volunteer service here, but uh, not to date myself, but um, it, it, it's cool because one of the things that I've always enjoyed is kind of watching watching people's journeys, you know, and um, and 
obviously some have gone on to be career firefighters like yourself and have had a, you know, a long and, um, good career, uh, and, and hopefully will continue to for a few more, few more years yet. Um, you know, and then, and, and then obviously I have other, other friends that have been doing this for a long time and have moved on to other parts of the country to either continue to volunteer or not to volunteer. Interestingly enough, uh, just to mention this tonight, because um, Eric uh, grew up in Smallwood Manga Valley Fire Department, uh, one of my very soon-to-be guests is uh, going to be Matt Steen from Ooh. former Smallwood Manga Valley firefighter as well. Uh, Matt moved south. Um, he and I were chief first go around the same time. And mm-hmm. uh, he's going to come on and talk about how he used his the skills that he learned being a volunteer firefighter in in life you know like how to yeah. you know his career and everything so that's something else coming i just thought it was interesting because this all kind of came together organically we were started talking then matt reached out and like nobody knew anybody was talking to one another so it was so it was kind of cool so um let's talk about let's talk about your journey let's let, let's go back like you're one of the guys I knew always wanted to be a firefighter. I, I, sure. I don't think, I don't really think you had your eye on any other, any other prize. Right. I, I did. I mean, a realistic prize anyways. I mean, I, right. I was, uh, you know, just like you, I was an athlete in, in school and uh, I was really good baseball player as far as I, I, w- I was a pitcher. Uh, I could throw the ball pretty well. And uh, for a few years there, uh, I traveled around playing in wooden bat leagues and uh, went to college showcases, actually tried out for the pros two times. Uh, it didn't work out, but it was always like fire department was always there no matter what. Right. Um, so again, starting from as a kid being there all the time, really, you know, being the little buff, I guess they call them, you know, rolling hose. Um, it was always there. And yes, I mean, for the most part, you know, it, that's what I wanted to do, you know, yeah. Uh, it was always in my life at some point in my life. So, uh, yeah, when I started there and, um, again, you know, you started around the, well, you're a little bit earlier than I did, but, uh, you know, we kind of came up around the same people, the same mentors. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, um, at that time, uh, like chief Mabel dorm said, you, um, on a cell at time was very busy and, uh, you guys caught an exceptional amount of work and, um, I was involved with that because we're our, you know, almost your primary mutual aid company, I think, yeah. at that time because you had a very good relationship with Chief Steen yeah. uh, and uh, the rest of the guys. And I just think in that era of guys, um, you just had – I don't know if it was guys that were in construction, into the trades, whatever it was, you had a lot of guys that were just very into training, very yeah. into – Everything we did, I mean, it, a new class came out, we were there, but we capitalized on it by going, bring it back to the firehouse, training on it, not, you know, just that way we did, you know, we have a folder of, uh, you know, certificates, but we knew, you know, what we were doing, you know, right. after right. that yeah, training, yeah. and yeah. we knew we wanted to do it again, and we wanted to advance ourselves. And, and I want, I want everybody to understand this. So, so Smallwood is it's a small volunteer firehouse. It's a, it's a small community. So just to kind of put things in perspective for you, um, at at the time when, when I was involved in Monticello, we probably had 
50 to 60 active members and we're running you know, probably a thousand calls a year, probably 35 fires a year. All right. Smallwood in relation to that only what, five, six miles away, maybe sure. five, six miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as membership, much, much smaller. Right. I, I mean, yes. what, probably 20 guys at the time. I, I would, would say, say 20, 20, 25 active. And right. then, you know, of course, your you know, other members, uh, you might have all together, maybe 40 or 50 sure. altogether, but active members, 20 to 25. Yeah. But, but, um, 80, but back then you had some, you had some, you had a solid core of super active guys. Like that 20 was, like you said, they were always showing up for training. Uh, Everything. They were, they were ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it just there was no time where you doubted anybody. You didn't doubt anything. It was just, it was great. You know, it was just unbelievable how many guys were on the same page, and yeah. uh, I think that just uh, enhanced my, you know, thoughts of the fire department and what I wanted to do. You know, because right. we had so many guys. I mean, it from a from getting the rig ready for a parade to training to you know the pancake breakfast whatever it was everybody was just always there it was just it was a good time and everybody was it was like family it was just unbelievable family like it should be you know and and uh again i know times have changed uh but i just remember that and that that's what keeps uh me involved in everything that i do you know Mm -hmm. remembering that part of uh the service it it was uh it was unbelievable yeah to, to uh go through that one of, one of the things that we've talked about on, with, with other guests, and it's come up on other topics, and, and Carrie, you can chime in a little here on this one, I'm sure, is, you know, sometimes we get messages from, from people, and we get, it's crazy, we, we talk about every episode, the, the messages and the, and the comments that we get from, one thing this platform has educated us both on is how things are done in other parts of the country that we right. would never have known before right but one of the common things that one of the common questions that i get is from uh you know firefighters that come from that smaller organization right Mm kind of like where you came from sure that that doesn't get a lot of work of their own you know Mm -hmm. um and and they don't know how to you know they don't know how to push forward they don't know how to keep people motivated they don't know how to create that that vibe you were just talking about that family feeling that want to go train um, right, Kara? I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, one thing that just really, um, that Eric just mentioned that really just like sparked something for me is, is hearing that when you go out to take the class, you bring what you learn back to the station and make it applicable and train at your station with your crew and not just let it be a piece of paper sitting in the file cabinet. I think that's like hugely important to keeping the momentum going and keeping the interest going because, um, you know, most of us who are, are interested and are vested and want to do better, love going to the classes and learning new things and meeting, you know, other firefighters and, and, um, seeing different ways to do things. And, you know, that's what gets us charged up, gets us excited and gets us ready to go back. And, um, if you only keep that in that small window of the class, you're really missing out on a huge opportunity to come together as a group and mentor other members. So I think sure. it's a great point to, to mention that when you come back from class, don't let it end there. Yeah, even if your budget's small or whatever it is, you know, you don't have the area to train, figure it out, you know, just try to figure out something. I mean, 
we used to, you know, we had a little, the meeting hall had a pool table. We used to do our reduced profiles and low profiles and everything else in between chairs, you know, or underneath the pool table, whatever it was, you know, but we did right. it black that. And we just, you know, again, we're bringing this training back to the firehouse. And then obviously as time went by, the new training center in Sullivan County where we grew up, uh, you know, they expanded and uh, yeah, created their own training center and they have their own property now. But, you know, we had other areas to train, but um, as far as our small department, we didn't have that budget, but we, right. we figured it out. We made, you know, we made do. And yeah, again, sure. with, when you have uh, 10 or 15 motivated guys that, you know, it's, it's like a challenge for each other. It's, being, it's like being on a sports team where, you know, you want to be better than that other guy. And it, it just motivated you to, uh, you know, train to that level. And, you know, again, uh, a 50 or 80 call department uh, acting like, you know, they go to fires every other day, you know? <laughs> right. Right. And when we have maybe one one or two first two jobs a year and, and the rest is mutual aid to, you know, Monticello, wherever we were going, you know? Right. So, but, but again, you're, you know, people see what's going on, right? People see the motivation. People see the core always yes. showing up for training, always signing up for classes, always working together. So, you know, that, that department in our case at the time, which was my department, sees this core of guys always working, always working. Now you're like, oh, who am I going to call? You know, who am I going to bring in to help? Who am I going to call for mutual aid? Am I going to call the guys on this side of the district that aren't doing anything? Or am I going to call these guys that are going to show up ready to work with a, you know, with a crew of hard chargers, like just ready to do it, you know? And, sure. and, and that, that plays a part in, in getting out, you know, getting out more, being, being you know, having that recognition. Um, and, and leading the from the front, you know, we talk about that a lot too. Yeah, you know, for sure. From the front, take action, show that that's where you want to be. And that's why, you know, you're there for the right reason and you no, don't already know everything. There's always something that can be learned. Yep. Yep. Sure. And, and the other thing, the other thing, Eric, you know, is when you talk about bringing stuff back and, you know, always, always working, always training, always being together, you know, I know what I see now where I'm at in an all volunteer department that, that also motivates the older guys that, that maybe can't do the interior stuff anymore, but they still want to pay attention and they still want to be involved. And, you know, they, they kind of feed into that, into that environment, you know, into that positivity. And I remember you guys, you know, you had a good crew of younger guys, but you also had a handful of, you know, guys that have been there for quite some time that maybe not have been physically doing the stuff that you guys were doing, but were showing up to drive the apparatus, right? You know, and they feed on that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it was like a spark again, like Kara was saying, a spark kicked on in the the older members, you know, I mean, I remember my uncle was a chief at the time and uh, some other guys, uh, you know, not going to mention names, but just, you know, the spark, you know, kicked in again. And I guess because uh, there was a new level of training at that time. Also, there were different tactics uh, and, and everything else. You know, everybody got interested again, even the older members. And yeah, it was yeah. great to see. It was great to see everybody just motivated from, like you said, from the oldest member down to the newest member. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you just mentioned that because I never really thought of it like that before. But that mid-90s, 
like I think it was right around that mid nineties, early to mid nineties was when all the firefighter survival fast, like all yep. that stuff really started hitting hard in the absolutely, And, yes. and, uh, and it really did, you know, it was, it was just, you know, solid hands on stuff that like really got people excited to, to yeah. just go out and do it, you know, and you would take that thing, you know, if that course came around twice a year, you'd take it multiple times, just, Oh yeah, do it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and, and I never really thought of it, you know, in that way. It's funny how the, you know, how the the training of the time or the, uh, you know, kind of reinvigorate everybody to to really step up and and learn some new stuff and and be proficient at the skills, you know. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I was old enough when bunker gear came in. And, you know, they went from three-quarter boots, you know, three-quarter jacket. <laughs> yeah. They went to bunker gear. My old, I remember my father having, you know, bunker gear for the first time. He's looking at it. He's like, what is this? You know, and they went from that to that, you know, that, uh, that training, you know, yeah. it just went tenfold, you know. And, again, I think it just motivated everybody. Uh, you know, it wasn't the basic tactics anymore. It was, you know, different whole different ball game, And uh, it really motivated everybody that I ever talked to you know, from mid nineties and beyond, you know, they yeah. knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, dating, dating myself, right. I, <laughs> my first set of bunker gear and, and I I've told this story before my first set of bunker gear. I don't remember. I, I know part of it, if not the whole thing was like a birthday gift from my parents because the department at the time didn't give out bunker gear. Like you came in, they gave you a coat and they gave you three quarter hip boots. If you wanted pants, like you had to go out and get them yourself. Like, and I think I ordered them from like Gauls or something, you know, Uh (laughs) funny. It's just crazy how the times have changed. I remember my dad's three quarter boots being down at the base of the stairs in the garage. And uh, like, that's just like something that's burned into my memory you know is that they were there and sometimes if i would come home and they were gone that's how i knew he was out yeah you yep. know because they weren't <laughs> because the three-quarter boots weren't there yeah you know? yep. wild now now you're using for waiters you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah he, has, he has them at camp he has them at camp that's sure. how he, yeah to put the docks in and out yep i'm they're sure still he there. does they're they're they're, <laughs> they're a hot commodity now but oh, not yeah. for, just not for firefighting for other things and he makes fun of me yeah. he's like he's like you don't have these I'm like, yeah, I know, Dad. I'm sorry. Not, not as cool as you. All right, so Eric, let's pick up. All right, so um, you're in the volunteers, um, having a good time, fighting some fire, getting a lot of training in, working with a good crew of guys. Where, where, do, you, where do you go from there? So at the time, uh, you know, my father had a construction company. He was a licensed electrician, so I was working with him a lot um, on his crew, building houses and everything. So from there, um, one of our uh, – close friends also and mentor uh, said, Hey, you know, New York state fire Academy, uh, I can get you in. You have to pay out of your pocket, but you know, all the other city uh, fire departments in New York go to the state Academy for their probate class. He's like, are you interested? And I said, absolutely. You know, at, at that point, I think, you know, I, I was, I was there, I was at the line. It's like, this is what I want to do. And uh, so at um, August of 2002, I ended up going to New York State Fire Academy, paid out of my own pocket with another friend of ours that's uh, in your department that you're in Chief, now. Chief Meadow. We can give Chief Meadow Chief, a shout Chief, out. Chief Meadow. Yeah. Give him, give him some credit. What's up, Chief? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Chief and I uh, went up there and uh, he did the same thing. And, uh, you know, that was our inspiration to, uh, 
you know, start taking tests. And, uh, you know, again, we uh, went up there to be state and nationally certified. Uh, we ended up taking our EMT and everything else, you know, really getting the ball rolling to uh, make this a career, make it happen. Yeah. So uh, from there, uh, the end of 2002 was the uh, FDNY test. So I graduated New York State Fire Academy on Halloween 2002. And in December of 2002, I was down in the city taking the New York City fire exam. So uh, it started from there, and um, I scored very well. And uh, from there, I, I, uh, that's all I could think of. So I yeah. think about, I went down to the city. I got a job as a plumber uh, in the meantime, because, again, it took, you know, back then it took a long time. Yeah, it took uh, a while. It actually only took me three years compared to some. I know some that it took six or seven years mm-hmm. to get on the job. But um, I ended up getting on uh, second class in 2006. So from – from basically the beginning of 03. Actually, the uh, June of 03, I moved down to the city. It took that that much time to uh, get on the job. Yeah, and I remember when you moved down there because mm-hmm. you, you, wanted to, you wanted to have the residency and everything, like, done, yeah. set, like, no questions. Yeah, I was trying to be as legit as possible because I didn't want any issues. You know, I just right. – I knew – I've heard of the issues, and I just didn't want to deal with it. And uh, believe me, I missed the volunteers. I, I miss the guys up at Smallwood. You know, I wanted to stay there, but you know, I knew, again, this is you know, this is what I wanted to do. And you right. know, thank God I had the Smallwood Fire Department uh, as my uh, you know as a stepping stone to to do what I do today. You know? Yeah, and uh, you know, again, enjoy every bit of it. Still love it to this day. I love to train. Just a very motivated person, and I just you know, it's it's life. You know. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, I mean. Look, just the progression, right? To to your to your career. So, you know, you had you had some good years as a volunteer firefighter. Sure. Not sitting back, just you know, coasting, actually working and training and learning. Then you sure. go to the state, then you go to the state fire academy and and essentially go through career academy, right? I mean, that's yes. what it is. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, you, so you go through so you go through career academy up at up at New York State Fire Academy in Montour Falls, mm-hmm. and then you come out and the FDNY thing works out. And so you find yourself back in the academy again, right? That's it. Yep. But this progression, I'm sure, made that academy. Once you got to that academy, I mean, I'm sure it gave you a bit of an upper hand. No, I mean, I, I, absolutely I would think so. As far as your your basic uh, skills, yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, FDNY does does it their way. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, it's, listen, you're still stretching lines. You're still over, you know, you're still overhauling. You're still forcing doors, whatever every department in the country does, you're doing the same thing. But uh, yeah, absolutely helped, you know, and I've talked to a ton of guys that uh, started with the same similar, you know, similar style career, you know, first in the volunteers and then, Mm -hmm. you know, became a career firefighter and, and uh, absolutely, it absolutely helped a lot. And, um, you know, they, they pounded us to the ground, you know, like, and uh, with, with PT and everything else, but, uh, you know, it was uh, a great experience, but it was something that I already experienced before. And it just, uh, it just made it that much greater. You know? I don't know what again. they did to this guy, because I remember when he went to the academy and, you know, he was, I was a pretty good sized kid. Right. But I don't know. All of a sudden he gets on the job, the FDNY and like, he, he's, I, I run into him or I see a picture somewhere or wherever. And what the hell happened to this dude? Like you came like a next thing I know he's like you know it's like all puffed out and I'm like holy shit look at this guy you know 
But uh, yeah, I, I was a tall, skinny guy. You know, six <laughs> four. You know, decent size. Yeah. But uh, again, it, it all it all has to do with the fire service and the motivation. You know, it, it just motivated me to work out that much harder. Like I just I I just feel like every day you go to work, you know, it's it's a blessing to be a firefighter. And why don't you just max it out and and do what you can to be the best? You know, that you it, possibly can. You know. Obviously, fitness is my kind of niche. Uh, sure. area but it just still surprises me always when i hear people hear firemen that are vehemently against regular physical fitness training as it applies to their job and i i just it just it baffles me that there are firemen out there that don't think that you need to be physically fit to do the job whether you're getting paid or not sure. uh, it's just it's bizarre to me that they don't have that same level of interest um, and enthusiasm about taking care of their bodies and taking care of their wellness so that they can do the job um, at they, as they do about training, you know? <laughs> I mean, you have such a better time training if you're not gassed after the first evolution. Absolutely, you know, but I don't realize, I mean, I don't understand it either. You know, just you know, whether you're a career firefighter or a volunteer, like, you know, you should, you should have some kind of, you know, fitness in your life. Um, yeah. I've always, you know, again, I played sports in high school and, uh, you know, I did go to junior college and, you know, that, uh, for just a short period of time, I played baseball there, but I've always worked out. I've always trained. And, um, you know, especially with the fire service, I've always done something. Um, I have a regiment, you know, I worked out this morning, you know, you're always, you know, I, I don't know. I try to motivate as many people as I possibly can. Good. Doing you that. know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to continue to do it. But, uh, yeah, you know, well, that, you're not the youngest guy in the job anymore. Right. No. Uh, uh, you know, and, um, and I'm sure there's probably guys that are having a hard time keeping up to you, you know? Sure. And absolutely. Hopefully that's a motivator for them. You know, like and I yeah. talked about that too. Like even training at the Academy when I trained for PT, you know, I have recruits down there that are real young, you know, 18, 19 year old kids and they've never, never had a weight in their hand. Never mm -hmm. ran a mile before. And, you know, it's um, amazing to me because then I have other recruits that are down there that are, I mean, because they're, you know, obviously we have a broad range of ages. So then I have like, you know, a 30 year old that's crushing them, you know, and by all means should not be, <laughs> you yeah. know, but they, but they've never, they've never had to put any kind of physical exertion into their daily routine at all. And now we've got them out on the, on the quad at six in the morning and getting after it. So yeah, absolutely. it's if you condition your body, your body will take care of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we all have our times where we, you know, we slip up and we yeah. eat or drink too much at the bar, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, again, even if, you know, you have to be motivated, even, uh, you know, with a hangover, you know, yeah. it's not a bad idea to go out and sweat and get that water right. back in you when you're done too. <laughs> yeah, 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 Gatorade, yeah, Gatorade yeah. takes you a long way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and we, and we, and we talk about this, we, we talk about the fitness thing a lot. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's definitely Kara's lane big time. All right. It's, it's been something I've been talking about for quite a while. It's probably how we ended up connecting with one another was, was fitness in the first place. But <clears throat> aside from you know just just taking care of yourself in general right career volunteer whatever the hell you are you know it, i i have some funny conversations with people sometimes because you know i had i had heart surgery last year 
you know? And I love when somebody comes up to me and they're like, how are you doing? You know, Hey, how are you? You know, like they give me that weird, like I had, they give me that weird, like I had a heart attack look like, how are you? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm great. Never been better. Yeah. But you went through all that stuff. And I'm like, first of all, it was, it was planned. Like I knew about it. I had been following everything that had been going on with me for years. Right. So it, 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 it's not like it was a surprise. Now, had I never gone to the doctor, you know, had I never gone for a physical, had I never done any of those things that some people just never do, you know, it might've been that conversation that was, well, Hey, 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 how are you? Because it, it could have been, you know, you know, something real and maybe something life-threatening. I don't know, but you know, you just think about something like that. If you never take, if you don't take care of yourself at all, all right, fitness, getting a regular physical, going to the doctor, like actually getting a checkup every once in a while beyond what they give you at the firehouse, right? Sure. Um, you don't, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And we, and you know, we're kind of all at the age now, like the, all of us where, you know, we realize that more and more every day because we hear about people that we knew or people that we do know or, or whatever sure. that things are happening to, you know, and you're like, Oh, you know, well, what the hell? How'd that happen? You know? Yeah. And there's the connection between, you know, the, your physical wellness of your body and taking care of yourself and give, giving yourself a little bit of time. Like Eric's saying, you know, daily routine, you know, make yeah. it your daily routine to take care of your body that carries over into your mental health and your mental sharpness and your ability to withstand higher levels of stress that are coming at you from all different angles. You know, we're all dealing with a lot right now with COVID and the pandemic and all of the different rules and regulations and everything changes all the time. There's so many unknowns and, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And that's just one small part of what's impacting our daily work. And so if you're not giving yourself uh, some you know, time and attention to take care of your body, um, your mental health isn't going to be good. Your mental alertness and sharpness isn't going to be good. Your overall wellness isn't going to be good. And it's, it's a, it's a cascade. It's going to all build up and, and take its toll on you if you're not paying attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Absolutely. No doubt. All right. So now, so now we've, we've made that journey. We're in the FDNY. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Where, let's talk about where you are, where you started, where you've where you've gone. Well, I've been a Bronx fireman the, my whole career. I started in a ladder company five two, which is in the Riverdale section in the Bronx. Uh, more of an upscale, like one of the more upscale neighborhoods in the Bronx, basically the uh, northern tip of Manhattan. Uh, started there as uh, my probie year. I was there for maybe about a year and a half, if that. Uh, and I transferred over to Engine Company 6-3, which is still the North Bronx, but it's uh, the Northeast Bronx. Mm-hmm. I was on the West side and I went, went over to the East side. Uh, they just recently, uh, when I got on, they merged with Ladder Company 3-9. They were both single houses. They merged the year before I transferred there. So, um, and it's a very busy neighborhood uh, surrounded by two other companies that are some of the busiest in the city. Uh, so I started there, uh, New Year's Eve of 07 and I've been there ever since, but I did, uh, cross back over to the truck. I did a uh, little engine work 
for about an hour. Here's where it all starts to come in. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting to post it. like, oh, shit. Here we go. The guy went from the ladder to the engine back to the truck. Holy yep. crap. I couldn't I could help myself. Cross the streams. Uh, and it's great, too, because, you know, like I came up with a ton of excuses to go back to the truck. But, uh, you know, all the senior guys were like, hey, you're there for a cup of coffee. I can't believe we'll just stretch one line and you went back to the truck. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got my balls busting. I still do to this day. Uh, the, you know, the captain of the engine, he just recently retired. And uh, he loves telling that story every time. He busts my chops. <laughs> but uh, he still has footprints on his back. <laughs> going back over to the truck after a year and a half so uh that's great so i was in 63 for a year and a half and uh and oh july of 09 i uh went to 39 truck uh it's the only tiller in the bronx which is pretty cool driving a tiller yeah all the time that's awesome and uh so i've been there the whole time uh you know, i'm sorry the rest of the time uh it's been great uh you know, I, I had a lot of great senior men in the house that taught me a lot. Uh, I had a lot of middle of the road guys that taught me a ton. Uh, again, guys with volunteer backgrounds, with uh, state instructor backgrounds mm-hmm. in New York. Uh, you might know a few, but uh, it's it's just been a, a cool ride going through, uh, you know, a career. It's always what I wanted. It's uh, Again, it's fast paced in the city, but uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know we're, we're doing and we're not even doing compared to some companies we're not even doing a lot we're doing three thousand runs a year and mm. you know other companies other truck companies are doing probably five to six thousand runs sure. a year yeah, but yeah. um our structural fires are up there you know we're we're probably uh you know top 25 in the city uh you know a lot of of course uh, there's busy areas in east new york and brooklyn and uh busy areas in harlem you know still mm. in the south bronx but uh we're you know it used to be one of the slower areas in the Bronx, you know, mm-hmm. nicer neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, after the, the Bronx burned out in the South, you know, kind of right. started working its way North and, uh, you know, that's what you have now. But, so, uh, so how did you, so did you come in after, cause I know at one time you kind of did in your probationary time, you kind of rotated around a little bit, like you'd, you'd end up in a few different boroughs, right? So, so they, they had just recently brought back the rotation. Um, we didn't have the rotation. I didn't okay. have a chance to do it. So I stayed as a probie. I stayed there. I mean, I worked within my battalion because, again, mm-hmm. I was a probie. I was a junior guy. So, you know, senior guys kick you out. It's, you know, time to go. Uh, it was good, though. You get to see other house. You get to see other boroughs. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, I, I definitely took my share of details. And I was I caught a few fires in Manhattan, a few in Queens, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely got to experience other places, you know. So, right, uh, right, right. But uh, yeah, you, uh, years ago they did the rotation, and they just recently brought it back. So uh, yeah. we actually have a kid from from Manhattan now. He's there for a year, and then he'll rotate to another house or ro- rotate back to his house mm-hmm. after his time in the engine. He's in a ladder company in Manhattan now. He's gonna, you know, he's uh, with us in '63, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll either rotate back there or to another company. Interesting. Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I knew it had changed at, at some point back then because you know, one of my other friends at the time who got in a little earlier than you, I remember when he was, you know, he was in Manhattan, then he was in the Bronx, and he was in, I think he even did a little stint in Staten Island, maybe. You know, sure. I I, you know I, sure. I know that was the one place nobody ever wanted to go. 
you know. That's a long ride. Like they were retiring, you know. (laughs) That's a long ride (laughs) from anywhere. Yeah. Traffic, you know, times it by two. If you're in the Bronx trying to get to Staten Island, you're better off going through Jersey. Yeah. Instead of trying to go through Manhattan or, uh, you know, take the ferry or anything like that. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Wild. Yeah. Kara, what, what, what else What else you got? I see your wheels a-turning over there. No, I just think it's so interesting. So tell us about um, uh, being a tiller man. Because I know people are interested in that. That's like a big, you know. So as a tillerman, again, we're the only tiller in, in the Bronx. Uh, you're actually in-house trained. So the chauffeur that drives the rig in the front, he's chauffeur trained. He actually goes to chauffeur school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tillerman is... Uh, you know, you get to drive a tiller in chauffeur school, other guys that have it, but it's usually uh, one or two days and then we're back to tactics and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything else that goes with driving. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're uh, uh, house trained uh, and then the captain basically uh, will give you the okay when he thinks you're ready. Uh, mm-hmm. If you didn't hear any cars, if you didn't hear any objects, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> if you don't have your name on the out. tailboard. <laughs> right. Didn't, didn't look like Kramer going down the road with your hair yeah. on fire. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because there's one street that we go down and in the summer there's always people, you know, I have black parties and stuff like that. And and uh, we go by this one house, I'm in the back and they're always yelling, Kramer. So I do the whole, I do this, you know, the whole Kramer where I'm just sticking, my, sticking feet. my feet out the door and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, but, um, yeah, so you train, you train in-house, and um, that, that position is actually the outside vent position. Mm. So um, we're a little – as far as the outside vent person or the outside vent position, we're a little delayed because we can't uh, drive with our SCBA on. So we actually have our own separate compartment with uh, – well, we have our gloves with us. Again, um, I train the guys, and I train myself. I try to wear as much as possible. I'm, I have my hood on, my gloves on, everything – Ready to roll because you know you know just because you're going to a water leak or an elevator on this call doesn't mean the next call isn't going to be a fire. So you should right. be as prepared as possible. Right. Uh, basically, um, so you have your compartment with your saw, your mask. Uh, well, actually, we have two. We have an OV compartment with a saw and all your tools for forceful entry, and then we have your Halligan with your SCBA and your helmet. Um, we do have straps for your gloves and everything, and then all of our extrication equipment. Uh, Recently, we just uh, received saws, saws and grinders from DeWalt and, uh, you know, different companies. And uh, that, that's uh, that, the, the OV compartment. Uh, nice. So uh, we are slightly delayed getting to the fire. But again, um, you're in a tiller box. So you're above everybody when you're driving down a block. So you can actually get a look at, you know, what you're going to. You can start your right. size up a little earlier than most, you know, especially guys in the inside cab that are maybe they're back, you know, to the fire. Mm-hmm. They can't really see anything. Um, you get that advantage and, uh, you know, you kind of understand like what you're going to and, you know, what ladders you need, what's all you need, you know, what tools you need when you get mm-hmm. off the off the rig. So uh, that's the uh, tillerman in, in a nutshell. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. How are the tillers put? So you said that's the only one in the Bronx? Or yeah, only I think one? there's about 13 in the city, citywide, mm-hmm. but that's the only one in the Bronx. There's a few in, there's a, I think, two in Harlem. There's a few in Manhattan, obviously, Queens and Brooklyn. Everybody has, uh, I think, I don't think Staten Island has one, but, uh, you know, the rest of the four out of five boroughs have a uh, few tillers mm-hmm. still around. The, our, our area, uh, we have what's called Wakefield and Woodlawn, and uh, 
39 used to be in Woodlawn and it's very, very tight. So right. that's what I was our, our second do and our second do got uh, companies are either a tower ladder or a rear mount. So it's, it's a little bit more difficult for them to maneuver through those streets. So mm-hmm. that's why we still have it. Um, you know, people do say that oh, you can do it with a rear mount. You should, you know, you don't need a tiller, but it's really, it makes it that much easier to get right. through those tight streets. Cause when you're driving through and you only have about three or six inches on one, you know, on either side, and uh, you're trying not to clip mirrors as you're going up the block, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worth it to, to have that, you know, yeah. killer, uh, tower yeah, ladders. It's tough because they're so big, you know, they're, yeah. they're monsters. So it's, you know, trying to drive a crane through a tight street like that in the city. It's, it's pretty tough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, they get it done, but it's tough. Yeah. We have it. We have a tower ladder and, um, in our small village, when we're out in the, our town is kind of separated and we have a, a village area and then we have more of a rural area outside. And then we're, o- we're only, I think we only have three ladders in the county. So we're fairly busy with mutual aid too. But in our tiny little village, there's certain streets that it's like, um, that's a, that's a no go. <laughs> like it's yeah. not going on. It's not going oh, there. Sure. Don't, don't try to do it, you know? Um, so, and that's, that's heavily trained upon too. Um, with that, just knowing your, knowing your first two area and knowing what you can do and what you can't do with the apparatus that you have is so important. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of advantages that, you know, being a tiller as far, you know, I always tell the guys, you know, your head should be out the window. I mean, obviously you're paying attention, you're steering and it's opposite steering by the way. So that's what really gets guys messed up because uh, when they first start off, they start off like they're driving a regular car. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, their first move is is uh, you know the opposite way, and they're like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" They're hitting a button because we have, you know we we have two buttons, safety buttons, and you can't turn the rig on unless unless that the tillerman's in the back and right. hits the button too. So you know there's safety issue, you know safety feature. But um, uh, you know I just tell these guys, I mean, you we have a, every everything you could think of frames, you know, like we call taxpayers or commercial buildings, uh, mm-hmm. you know, high rise you know, take a look at them, see, see how you're going to get to the back. You know, how, you know, how many fences do you have? You know, what are you, what are you up against? You know, you should, you know, you should be sizing up all the time as you're driving down the street, right. you know, in that tailor box. I mean, you really have an advantage, you know, not just going responding to the incident, but just if we're on building inspection, whatever it is, you could just, you get a look at everything. You yeah. Know, like a bird's eye view. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, um, in your area, is there an extensive amount of construction going on all the time? I mean, how do you keep up with that in terms of the building inspection and all of that kind of stuff? Well, we're we're only allowed to uh, inspect multiple dwellings. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we when we have certain incidents, you know, obviously when engine has EMS or uh, we have a water leak, so we can get into, you know, we're in people's houses and we can take right. a look at, you know, what's going on inside. But um we only inspect multiple dwellings and usually we keep the hallways clean and just see, if, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're keeping everything up to snuff, but, uh, construction is just constant. And we actually, they're building a house, uh, building a, uh, sorry, they're building an apartment, uh, right next to the firehouse now. It's a seven story building. So we have them digging right outside. There's, you know, a few times where we had backhoes in front of the apparatus floor, you know, trying to respond. And it's just, just constant mayhem. You know, that's right. all it is. And, and honestly, it's, it's a busy place, but, just imagine that in Manhattan, you know, where it's tenfold, you know, daily there's people in and out of that place. And, and it's just, I mean, I, I've been on runs in Manhattan where it, it will take you an hour to get back to the firehouse, you know, yeah. for us where it's, it's not that crazy with traffic, but at times we have multiple highways in our district too. You know, we have the Bronx River Parkway, the major Deegan, uh, 
we actually have, uh, if other, other units are out, we uh, respond to the New England Thruway, you know, so we're all over the place and it, it can be really busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, nonstop. And we have the elevated train uh, one block yeah. down from our firehouse too. So that just, that hampers, uh, you know, traffic and, and our response time, you know, tenfold. So we learn where to go, when, you know, at what time during the day, you know, right. what streets to take as shoppers. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't spend a tremendous amount of time in the city, but the time that I do, you know, I always, I always kind of look at these guys, you know, responding and it just, you know, whether it's fire, EMS, you know, fire seems to get a a little bit more respect because they're driving bigger vehicles, you know, I can't imagine working in, I can't imagine working in ambulance in the city. You know I mean? I see, I see these things trying to get through traffic and it's like, nobody, nobody gives a crap. You know, they're just like, you know, just siren, whatever. doesn't matter what they're doing. They're just. Sadly, that's not exclusive to the city. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I I mean, they have it so much worse, but oh my God. Difference in the city is they have nowhere to go. You I know, know right, like, yeah, you can't go around, right? Yeah, there's, nowhere, there's nowhere to go. It's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're jumping out into the other lane to get around somebody or you have a passing right. zone, you know, it's like. Sirens mean yeah. nothing to anyone ever. It's horrible. No, 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 it's, no. And they usually, you know, if they do want to pull out of the way, they usually pull into traffic instead of away from traffic. So you always, you know, there's always some kind of obstacle. Your second call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stop and help this person real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, listen, one of the things that we've, we've tried to, you know, promote here, uh, you know, obviously this whole thing of professional volunteerism, right? Being, you know, being a professional at the job, regardless of your pay grade, um, you know, but we've also talked about avenues for, for people we have a lot of younger listeners that are like, you know, th- obviously thinking about doing this as, as a career, you know, so it, it's been cool, you know, bringing you on, um, having, uh, chief Maple dorm on, uh, cause you know, his path is like completely unconventional, you know, when sure, I, when, absolutely. when I, when we talk to him, you know, cause it's an Avenue that nobody really ever thinks of when you think fire service, you know, um, and you know another another friend of ours who hasn't been on this show yet, but I did um, National Fire Radio with, and that's um, John Stern from from uh, Fairfax. You know, so yeah. you know, and, and this is just in my little bubble, right? Of of people that started as volunteers, now are doing it as a career somewhere, and you know, every once in a while we'll 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 get a little of that. We don't buy into it, you know, but we get a little of that career volunteer you know, rift going sure. on. And Karen and I have always, have always held fast that, you know, it goes both ways. You know, there are guys that are on the job as career guys that are just have a chip on their shoulder. And then there are volunteers that have a freaking chip on their shoulder, you know, sure. but, but, you know, I like bringing guys like you on like chief Maple Dorm, talking to John, you know, and Matt, when he comes on, you know, you guys are all guys that, that, that didn't forget where you came from, you know, like, like, you know, your roots, you know, what got you to where you are. And, and, you know, that, that is huge. You know, that's, it's, it's commendable. I I love talking to, you know, anybody like that, 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 you know, remembers, remembers when, you know, they were doing it at home, you know, 
with a bunch of other guys just basically for fun, you, you sure. know? And, um, but at the same time, you know, it's cool to highlight the, the career and, and sure you ended up in the FDNY to look at, you know, look at the path you took to get there. You know, I mean, sure. um, you know, putting yourself through, um, career Academy at, at the state fire Academy. Again, that's, a, that's a thing that not a lot of people know about, you know, up in Kara's neck of the woods, there's lots of bunkin programs, you know, people don't know, sure. you know, people don't know about these bunkin programs, you know, kids that are like, do I want to do this? Do I not? You know, maybe they think they do, but they're not sure. sure. You know, that's a, that's another great avenue. You know, the, the, the bunkin programs to say, you know, Hey, look, is, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? You know? Absolutely. There are, there are a ton of avenues you can take. And again, you know, it's just how motivated are you? You know, you mm-hmm. see a lot of that where, you know, probably, you know, and you probably know Brian and Kara, I mean, you probably know 10 or 15 people that want to be farming somewhere and, maybe didn't do it because they weren't motivated. They didn't know about those programs. I mean, not dating ourselves again, but like the, the internet was, wasn't this massive explosion of information at the time. Like it just started out. And so sure. I remember going on little websites and you had to pay 15 bucks a year and you, and you, you know, you kept, uh, you know, it kept tabs on which department was, uh, firehouse, and- firehouse jobs.com <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's, whatever. I, I, I couldn't remember the name, so I didn't want to just make up anything, but it was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, and I did take other exams, uh, before that, you know, I definitely, uh, I took the exams in Connecticut, uh, you know, myself, chief, uh, Meadow and, uh, yeah. And was, I, was he captain now, Captain Stern, Lieutenant Stern? I don't know what, it, what he's doing. Uh, John's now. an assistant. He's an assistant chief now, I believe. Wow. Of tra- oh, tra- wow. training. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, he's bouncing. He, John's had a bunch. Of, he's had another, another guy that's had a great career, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, and again, it's, look, I, um, you know, I give you guys a lot of props because, you know, I, I went a different path. You know, I took the, the, the Fidney exam with um, other friends of mine and, and only one of our group ended up, you know, getting on the job. But like mm-hmm. you said, back then it was, it was a longer process, you know? Sure. I mean, I took the test, scored well. It was a year and a half, I think, until I even got the results from the test. Sure. And then it was another year until they finally called you for the physical. And then it was another year, you know, it, it drug out for years back then. And, Absolutely. and, and, you know, some of us, you know, life happened, you know, you got, you got to, you settle into a job, you're making money, you're comfortable, you got a girlfriend or whatever at the time. And it's, you know, kind of holding into your, to your roots. And, um, and, and, you know, you guys have followed your passion. I give you, you know, I give you credit, you know, I mean, you did your thing, you know, John picking up and moving South, um, you know, Tad joining sure. the military and just kind of seeing the world, you know, I mean, that's not for everybody, you know, I guess is what I'm saying. But if, if it's what you yeah. want to do, you know, you figure it out. And think- listen, Ed, oops, sorry, go ahead. Go, Karen. go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, uh, you know, those, all those thoughts went through our heads doing this too, you know, like, okay, you know, this is going to take a while you know, what do I do? I'm getting older, you know, is this going to work out? You know, you have that in the back of your head, but, uh, I guess if you push forward and, and you're motivated to do, it and that's what you want to do, then, uh, you know, hopefully it'll work out for you, you know, yeah. as a motivated individual. So. Right. Um, I, 
I've talked about on the show and we've actually interviewed one of my um, past mentees, but um, I'm very interested and focus a lot um, on mentoring younger members or newer members. They don't have to be, you know, whatever age, but, um, and one of the things that I talk about with when I'm out doing pub ed with um, high school age kids and things like that, that are thinking about careers and they're thinking about the fire service is I talk to them a lot about what the opportunities are and and how to set a pathway to get to where you want to go if you want to go career. And um, one of the things that I, I do talk to them about is, you know, if they say, well, um, you know, my parents want me to go to a four-year college. And I talk to them a lot about what it, what it looks like as a career firefighter. When you start out, if you're 18 or 19 years old and you put in 20 years, you got a long way after you retire to do other things. And there's, there's nothing wrong with getting a four-year degree uh, after that, you know, or even while you're working. During it, yeah. yeah, during, you know, and a lot of times there's a lot of educational um, tuition opportunities as a fireman in career for tuition reimbursement and loan forgiveness and all kinds of other things that can help you make that goal while you're doing what you love and what your passion is and serving in your, in your community. And, um, I do talk to them about bunk-in programs and getting their feet wet and, you know, trying that out. And I also talk to them about um, looking at where they want to do career and what the requirements are for um, civil service or city or whatever, whatever the, the format is for getting on. If they're requiring you to be a paramedic and you want to invest money in an education and that's what you want to do, go to medic school, right? I mean, go to medic school you know, get a job on, on a bus, you know, work, working as a medic while you're, while you're waiting and trying to get into your slot because it's more attractive for many career departments. If you already have your medic and they don't have to pay for that versus them having to pay for your academy because typically academy is a lot cheaper. So just talking to the younger generation or people that are interested in, in that pathway about different things like that, I think is really valuable. And, you know, I am a big proponent of trade school for people too. get if people like working with their hands, if people like, um, you know, to, to, you know, be their, be their own boss and, and that, I mean, instead of just driving kids towards four-year degrees constantly, and that's the only focus, like, let's broaden it out. Let's, let's see what the, where the interest lies and, you know, give people what they want, you know, promote the positivity and show them a good example of what you can do when you have a, a pathway and a little guidance and a little support. Yeah. I know I liked you for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because I, I always, I'm, I'm huge with the, uh, with the trade schools. Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up in the trades and just because I grew up in the trades, that's not the reason it's again, it was either you went to college or you just, you know, you worked somewhere and that was it. You got a job. You know, we're old enough to say that, but like, you know, it's just, uh, I always tell the guy, you know, what, how about have your kid go to a trade school? You know, yeah. we always need plumbers, electricians, whatever it is that can right. help you in your firefighter career, you know, be, become a paramedic in the MTM. I, mean, I did that. I took all that to become a, you know, state and certified firefighter, no matter where I went, you know, if I took a test right. in Florida, at least I had that, but Correct. the trade, the trades, you always need trades. And nobody yeah. wants to do that anymore. They are by you know, again, we're in a different generation where it's just the, the, the iPhone, the computer, whatever it is, they're just sitting there like, like everybody wants to be, uh, you know, everyone wants to de design games and stuff like that. That's great. But, uh, you know, again, you're clogging 
that whole industry, you know, right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, say, yeah. somebody has to learn. I mean, I, even with my kids, they're, you know, they're young. But, um, you know, I, I'm trying to show them, you know, that just show them both sides, you know. Yeah, Where they can come out with me and build something because I do a lot of my own work. So, you know, at home and, you know, on the side also helping people out. So I try to show them, you know, how, how to use power tools, how, you know, how to use a hammer, how to use a tape measure, you know. No yeah. fractions through through using a tape measure. It's great. It's yeah. probably yeah. the best motivator. So that's you know, and, and I know probably taking off Facebook or wherever I wherever I saw it, but it is great. Like my father taught me that at an early age and actually helped me out with math. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and like talking to them about like like the reality of adulthood, it's not gonna end when you're twenty five. You have a long way to go. So in these days, it's it's not like in like my grandparents' generation where you retired when you were, you know, 55 and then you just lived off your retirement for the rest of your for the next 30 years. Like that's yeah. not the reality of the world anymore. Mm-hmm. No. You know, so if you're going to retire from like firefighting, for example, and whatever age you're at, I mean, you can technically retire after, you know, in most cases, 20 years. And if you're really young, then what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, exactly. yeah. so it's not... You, you, instead of looking at it as an end game, look at it as this is what I want to do in my life right now. And I want to right. have this experience. I want to build off of it. I want to do some good in the world. I want to prove to myself that I am worthy and capable of doing a good job and serving others. And then that's going to set you up for so much success in whatever your next choice is that you're going yeah. to have to do. Yeah. 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 You guys bring up some really good points. I mean, you know, look, Eric, you knew you wanted to be a firefighter, right? You sure. knew that you wanted to be in the FDNY. So you moved to the city and, and you become, you, you're being a plumber. I mean, who, who, how many people can say they do that? First of all, not a, not a, not a lot. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure there's not a tremendous amount of guys out there that I don't know anybody in my life other than you that moved to the city to be a plumber, you know, because your end game is, you know, what you wanted to do you know, was be a firefighter, but you're setting yourself up. I know a shitload of people that wanted to be firefighters that tried to scam the system by getting an Orange County address or whatever the hell they could do. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Like I know lots of Absolutely. people that did it that way. You know, mm-hmm. and and nothing against those guys. You know, don't send me hate mail, guys, please. All right, but I'm. Just, <laughs> I'm <laughs> but 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 well, you know, here we it's, go. It, it's it's no it's just what i'm what i'm trying to say is you know kind of to kara's point if you if if you're focused on something that you want to do right all right so maybe you want to be a firefighter but it's not in the five boroughs maybe it's in upstate new york or, or in another state somewhere all right figure out what's going to get you there right yeah. figure out what it, it, is it that you know, becoming an EMT and riding an ambulance, you know, is it becoming a paramedic because you're going to, you know, they're going to look at you more favorably when the selection time comes, you know, like what are those things, you know, figure it out, look into it, you know, that's what you got to do to get there. You know, Um, you can't just kind of sit back and expect life to come to you. I mean, that's, that's, that's not what happens, you know? Yeah, I mean, some people you, luck out, some people luck out and that is what happens, but sure. not, not the majority, right? The majority work for it and that's how they get there. Yeah. It's not a straight path by any no. means. So there's no. always uh, some, some bends in the road. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, but you have to be able to, uh, you know, willing to take that risk, you know, I'm small town, small town boy, you know, going to big city type of thing, you know, it's, right, it, right. it's, listen, you take the risk and you know what, throughout my career, I met a ton of guys did the same thing. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, becoming a plumber, you know, just another advantage for when I did get a job, people needed a plumber, you know, guys at firehouse. Hey, I heard you do plumbing. Right. All right. So, uh, you know, at least I have, you know, I could do a little side work and make a little extra money, yeah, you know, yeah. but obviously, you know, your, your focus is firefighting, you know, and, and you want to do that. But again, yeah, I mean, we all grew up with guys, I want to be a fireman, but they don't realize that, you know, there's, there's going to be a few avenues you have to take before you get to that end, right. end goal. So, you know, people have to realize that. Right. And if that's really what you want, it might take broadening your horizons a bit, right? It might not not be in your, you know, in your small part of the world, wherever that part of the world is, you know, whether it's in New York or the Midwest or the West, you know, you you might have to travel to, to, to make that dream possible, you know? Sure. One one thing I got to correct, I gave John a promotion. He is a lieutenant. When I was thinking, okay. when, I, when, I, okay. when I when I when I was thinking assistant chief, he did some he did some volunteer time down there as well for a while, and he was an assistant chief in the volunteer house. That's where I that's where. But on the job, lieutenant. So sorry, sorry, John. Give you an early pay grade bump there. <laughs> yeah, John and I took that test at the same time, and he did very well, and that's where he ended up. And you know, I'm yeah. glad for him. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this one up. This has been, uh, this has been awesome. Eric, Eric, what, uh, you know, if you were to, you know, just kind of, you know, leave some, leave some parting words on anybody that might be thinking about a, a similar path or looking to, you know, uh, go make the jump from, from volunteer to career or not just trying to make the best of their volunteer career because they're, in a trade, they're they're a full time plumber. Happy to be, happy being a full time plumber, but they want to be the best firefighter that they can be. What would you What would you tell them? Well, you, you have to be personally motivated. Uh, this day and age, where uh, you know you can sit there and and some some people want to become firefighters, but they're they're comfortable just watching YouTube videos of people fighting fire. Um, yeah, you have to stay motivated, and you have to motivate people around you. Have to I I think one of the episodes I remember. Kara saying, you know, uh, you know, finding that person in the firehouse that you link up with that uh, truly is motivated to train and to want to excel again, whether you want to just stay a volunteer firefighter or you want to make it a career, um, you really have to push yourself and motivate yourself, whether you're in a small town or a big city, whatever it is, you know, you have to push yourself to figure out what you want to do. Right. I think that's the big thing. If you have a goal, don't just say, oh, I have a goal this day and tomorrow, eh, it's not a big deal. You know, keep that goal in the back of your head and make it, make it happen. You know, if it's just training at your firehouse or uh, mentoring, whatever it is, make, you know, have a long-term goal, you know, as an individual. And once you do that, you're going to motivate people around you. So. Agreed. hundred percent. Kara? Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I love the thing that I love about us doing this is getting to meet great people from, you know, all over and learning so much. And, um, and I really appreciate you, Eric, coming on to talk to us tonight. And I know our listeners are really going to enjoy it. And, um, you know, I encourage everybody to, uh, reach out to us and, and, um, share feedback with us because we, that's what makes it, you know, so worth it for us to do it. I'm glad I got to come on. This is, this is awesome. Glad to meet you, Kara and Brian. It's uh, it's been a long time, and uh, actually, uh, before you go, I just I, actually I I wasn't on social media or anything uh, up until this point, and I I actually picked up your 
your podcast and uh, motivated me to go on Facebook. And I know I'd probably regret that one day. <laughs> well, the BS that with, and a political BS I'm talking about, and all, all the you know, stuff that's going on in the world today, but actually motivated me to uh, reach out to uh, people I haven't seen in a long time and, uh, you know, to see what everybody's doing in the fire service and everything else in their life. So. Yeah, yeah there's glad, uh, glad the good part, the it. good side of Facebook. The good, the good, the good, <laughs> exactly. the good part. Don't go to well. the dark side. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. negative. <laughs> Listen, Karen, we didn't even get a chance to talk skiing, okay? Oh, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't even get a chance to talk skiing <laughs> oh. right? because this guy's a phenomenal skier also, and, and we, we've had some good times. Um, I, I know we've got some listeners, some of you are going to be like, what the hell are they talking about? But but uh, we had a pretty good tradition for a lot of years of some firefighter ski races uh, awesome. locally just, at, at Hunter Mountain. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we had Great some good times. Hunter Mountain, yeah. yeah. I hope we start to get some snow. I mean, I can't believe yep. it's just barely snowing here. And usually in years past, we'd already be skiing. But Yep. And uh, yeah, good times for sure. It's the first time they're canceling the ski race. You know, uh, they, they've been doing uh, the ski race in FDNY for, uh, I think, 47 years or something yeah. like that. And uh, this first year they're going to cancel. And uh, we've been number – well, we got we, we finally got uh, beat last year, but we've were been number one for the last, I think, eight eight years or something like that. It's, this guy is but a it's pro. Fun. This guy's a pro at recruiting ringers. I'm going to tell you right now, he's a pro. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even – I didn't even think I didn't even think about skiing, outbound skiing at all when I got to New York City Fire Department because it's again you're down in the city and it's a little bit different. I mean, I knew people went skiing and you know just uh, you know went on vacation and stuff, but when I found out that the guys in the firehouse were the number one, uh, the champs of the FDY ski race, I was like, oh my god, this is awesome! I can't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, guys, I I'm gonna wrap this up um, as always. Um, Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Eric, thanks for thanks for joining us, taking some time out of your day. I'm 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 psyched that you you took the took the plunge and jumped on uh, social media at least to connect connect with us, um, and connect with uh, you know all those all, all of those out there that I'm sure are happy to happy to hear from you and re and reconnect. Um, but uh, you know, as as we end every episode, everyone, please uh, if if you found today's episode valuable you uh, have some comments or feedback or you have a question for any of us, uh, myself, Kara, Eric, I could definitely put you in, in, in touch with him as well. Uh, please reach out. Uh, you know, best way is uh, via the email, uh, professionalvff, that's professionalvff at gmail.com. You can get us on the Instagram page at professional.brotherhood. Uh, Kara's at st.florianfitness. Um, Facebook, just punch in the professional brotherhood, punch in St. Florian fitness, do a search. Uh, you can try and figure out how to spell Eric's last name, but I wish you <laughs> luck with that one. <laughs> Reach out to me and I'll connect and I'll connect you with Eric. If, uh, if you, uh, if you have any questions for him, but we love the feedback, keep it coming. Thank you guys for tuning in week after week. And please don't forget a paycheck does not make you a professional. How you approach the job does stay healthy and stay safe.